You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Let's talk about the news. Nancy Pelosi's chief of staff putting out word that there's a new 48-hour deadline for the House of Representatives to agree with the administration on an additional coronavirus relief package. Look, there's no 48-hour deadline because there was never going to be a deal anyway. As I've been telling listeners to this podcast, the reason Nancy Pelosi won't put issues before the Congress that have overwhelming bipartisan support is that she doesn't want to allow the president to have a moment of leadership and success for the country in the days leading up to the election. Nancy Pelosi is willing to allow America's businesses to dry up. She's willing to allow America's families to suffer because she is so desperate to deprive Donald Trump of any political win, of any win for the country. And it's depraved. But this back and forth has really built a lot of pressure on the speaker. I mean, it culminated in that disastrous Wolf Blitzer interview that we profiled on Hot Takes last week. And with that pressure mounting, I think Nancy Pelosi needed some explanation to her members as to why there wasn't going to be coronavirus relief. And instead of fessing up to the just the political rawness of it, the political normativity of her decision, uh, she decides to blame the administration for wanting the ability to actively issue grants to community organizations, to testing organizations responding to the virus. And it's just so, so obviously a red herring uh, that she chooses to identify, oh, we don't want the administration to have a slush fund. Look, when you're fighting a virus, sometimes you can't go through every contemplated government process. Sometimes you need to be able to rapidly deploy resources at the speed of viral interaction in a community. And so that's not why Nancy Pelosi is putting a stop to negotiations or throwing cold water on them. It's because she doesn't want the president to have a win. She doesn't want the country to have a win. That says a lot more about Nancy Pelosi than anything else. Twitter now suspending one of the most effective, productive, energetic voices on Twitter on the political right. Charlie Kirk, my good friend, the founder of Turning Point USA, host of the Charlie Kirk podcast, author of the MAGA Doctrine, getting banned from Twitter for saying exactly what ProPublica said. Uh, we're going to post the Ryan McCarthy and Derek Willis piece from ProPublica, Pennsylvania's rejection of 372,000 ballot applications bewilders voters and strains election staff. And in the story, ProPublica notes how voters who had requested ballots, perhaps in the primary, were now getting them in the general, and some had requested them subsequently in the general. And so that duplication of effort was creating a strain on the election system. Charlie Kirk says essentially you know, the same thing, uh, putting out word that there was confusion in the election system in Pennsylvania, at Charlie Kirk 11, Pennsylvania just rejected 372,000 mail-in ballots. One voter is said to have submitted 11 duplicate ballots. Pennsylvania might be the key to winning the White House. What's going on? Now, let's for a moment assume that what Charlie Kirk asked was incorrect, that he was wrong in his facts. Who is Twitter to be the arbiter of that? 
In a productive, free, engaging society, we need a citizenry able to ask tough questions, to be able to confront information that is both true and false with the ability to decipher the difference. And I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to just totally outsource that function of my life to Twitter. And I don't think that they ought to have that role in the debate that we have in the country. So here's my question. Where's the FCC? Where's the FEC? I mean, literally, this is election interference occurring before our very eyes. We saw entire agencies of our federal government consumed with the fiction of election interference from Russia being some major factor in the 2016 election. But now when big tech's censorship, when their tyranny is in fact a very real element of this election as people are voting, the institutions of our government that are supposed to protect us, that are supposed to ensure that there is not an outsized influence in the election beyond people's lawful participation, they're sitting on their hands. And so yet again, for President Trump to prevail, he will have to beat the Democrats, the never Trump Republicans, the media, the tech giants, and even some of the institutions that he makes appointments to that seem to be doing very little. Get off your duffs, FCC and FEC. Get to the business of forcing these technology platforms to be unbiased as the law requires. We hear a lot of the harm caused by disinformation in our public discourse, but is the biggest purveyor of disinformation the political establishment in our country? And is it destroying Western civilization? That's the question posed by Jeff Giese in American Greatness in a recent essay. And first he cites the establishment's disinformation in the war in Iraq, the claim that there were weapons of mass destruction. Those claims got us into wars that now have cost $6.4 trillion and over 800,000 lives, according to a recent study by Brown University. It was the same establishment that gave us the disinformation of the Russia hoax. Terrible attack on the public trust, on the institution of the presidency, something that distorted and perverted the Congress and our intelligence agency. And now we know that you had Hillary Clinton funding through the DNC Russian intelligence assets as our own intelligence was reporting to President Obama and Vice President Biden that the very reason that Hillary Clinton was doing this was to distract from the fears that she had over political vulnerability caused by her email scandal server. But that's not all. Gisi also cites the false narratives that continue to try to target and demonize law enforcement in our country following the tragic death of George Floyd. That same false narrative continues to be advanced by the establishment in media, not just politics, through the 1619 Project, an endeavor that seeks to have us all believe that our country is intractably racist, that America's founding is not virtuous, it is not something to be honored, but it should be something we all share a great deal of shame in. I'm certainly not ashamed of America, and I'm glad Jeff Giese isn't either. I'm glad that we view that not as a narrative to adopt, but as one that in fact is false. And then you get to the pandemic, where the establishment has given us information that's been all over the map. First, public health officials telling President Trump not to ban travel from China. Thank goodness he did it anyway. Then public health officials telling us that 
masks weren't helpful or effective. Then all of a sudden they're more effective. Then all of a sudden they're the most effective, even more effective than vaccines. Time and again, the establishment seems to make pronouncements that are a greater function of disinformation for the sake of control, for the sake of, uh, I think, you know, whether it's control over our foreign policy in the case of the wars in the Middle East or control over our domestic politics by scapegoating the Obama administration's uh, policy choices with Russia and Hillary Clinton's election day failures uh, with this Russian narrative, or in fact, control over our history and our beliefs and our values, uh, as you see through entities like the 1619 Project. So check out Jeff Giese's piece. I think it's quite something. Retail sales post big gain in September as consumers show unexpected strength. CNBC's Jeff Cox has the story. Retail sales rising 1.9% in September, if that doesn't sound like much. It is much better than the 0.7% that was the Dow Jones consensus estimate. Excluding autos, the increase was 1.5%, way ahead of the 0.4% expectation. Clothing and accessories led the gains. Electronics, the only negative sector. The Dow Jones also reacting very favorably to this. And, you know, Trump always said before he was president that he never felt like Obama was enough of a cheerleader for the American economy, uh, for our businesses. And whether you like the president or dislike the president, he cheers on the American economy. And it appears now that these same leading economic indicators that we saw before the capital investment, before the rising wages pre-pandemic, you know, the initial indicators that the Trump economy was taking off were these uh, consumer confidence, business confidence indicators, and uh, really from his election, that rise in consumer spending that has enabled really a roaring economy during the Trump era. And so now with those very same indicators starting to show, we may see a return to the very best of the Trump economy. Keep it together, Wichita, Kansas. NBC News has the story that Wichita Mayor Brandon Whipple was threatened over his recent mask mandate, someone saying that they were going to kidnap the mayor and slash his throat. This coming after 13 people were apprehended following their foiled plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan. Look, you can like the mask mandates and the lockdown mandates or not, but they are no reason to threaten political violence against people. So Mayor Whipple should not have to deal with it. Uh, Governor Whitmer should not have to deal with it. Certainly the president shouldn't have to deal with the threats and uh, I think you know outward hostility uh, that he has to deal with on a daily basis. Let's just all get through this and universally condemn political violence. There are plenty of places on the planet Earth where political violence is necessary. America is not one of them. When former Vice President Joe Biden talks about foreign policy, if he talks about foreign policy at all, he speaks in terms of American re-engagement in the world. And when elites talk about re-engagement through the lens of globalism, they're engaging at your expense often, on your nickel, for their own enrichment, for their family's enrichment. President Trump sees the world clearly. He understands that 
for America to be a strong, positive force in the world, we have to be the best version of ourselves. And that means ending some of these forever wars. I've been very proud that on the campaign trail, the president has really talked about foreign policy in terms that put America first. Take a listen to the president on the campaign trail discussing the endless wars and the need to bring our troops home. Joe Biden brought you only endless wars. I'm bringing you peace and I'm bringing our troops back home. They're all coming back. Endless wars. Biden voted for the Iraq war. He opposed the mission to take out Osama bin Laden. He opposed the killing of Soleimani. He oversaw the rise of ISIS. And he cheered the rise of China as a positive development for America and the world. They made a mistake. So we're now $8 trillion. We've been in there for 20 years, almost 20 years. In Afghanistan, I guess it's uh, getting very close to that. It's over 19. And we're bringing our soldiers back home. The single greatest mistake our country made in its history was going in to the quicksand of the Middle East. We spent $8 trillion and lost thousands of lives. And by the way, the other side, we can talk about that, lost millions of lives. What did we do? So we're going to pull them out and we're pulling people out and we're trying to make good deals and we're going to bring our soldiers back home. Democrat Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard was recently interviewed by Dave Rubin regarding her experiences with Google, the litigation she's had to bring against them, and the impact and cost to our democracy if there's not a level playing field in the digital space. Listen to Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard and Dave Rubin. You're suing Google. Yes. What's going on? <laughs> After the first debate, I was the most Googled candidate of the night. When all of a sudden, mysteriously, right at the peak of that time where people were paying attention, our account was suspended. Yeah, so you couldn't roll ads? Couldn't, people weren't seeing the ads that we wanted them to see, was the bottom line. And then once that peak period passed, our account was magically reinstated. Yeah. And to this day, we still have not gotten any kind of meaningful or even an attempt to provide a satisfactory explanation for it, which just points to the need for change. We filed this lawsuit not just because of what happened there, but because of the kind of power that Google has as this huge tech monopoly to interfere in our public discourse and really how they can impact our fair elections. Yeah. We need to be able to protect the rights and freedoms of the American people. And you have such a big tech monopoly with the power to provide undue influence both through their algorithms as well as suppressing people's freedom of speech. And if this can be done to me as a member of Congress running for the highest office in the land, that means it can be done to anyone running for any office anywhere in the country and can be done to any individual in this country. This should be a wake-up call that if members of Congress, if presidential candidates can see their voice fundamentally suppressed and altered in the way in which it is presented to the world that that could happen to each and every American and we ought to do all we can to stop it. The Trump team has come out with its plan for black America, the Platinum Plan. And Ice Cube is catching some shade over his endorsement of the plan. The LA Times has the story. And if the Platinum Plan sounds familiar, 
Maybe you're aware of Ice Cube's previously released contract with Black America. Now, Ice Cube says he approached both the Republicans and the Democrats regarding the elements of this contract with Black America, uh, issues regarding policing reform, criminal justice reform, education reform, investment and economic opportunities for Black America. And the Democrats told him to wait until after the election. And the Republicans actually designed some policy concepts around these ideas. Now, I don't know that I agree with each and every one of them. I think there are probably a few that may utilize the government to pick winners and losers uh, in a way that might not contribute to the broadest amount of economic freedom. Uh, But I do think that it's telling that today's Republican Party would be willing to talk about these policy concepts, not in a way as, as a way to just, you know, get votes, Uh, but to put them into action because we've got the ability to do so through the administration in real time. The Democrats saying, well, talk to us after the election. Maybe then we'll be interested uh, in working on those ideas. That's not real leadership, and I'm glad that Ice Cube is showing leadership to work with anyone who would be willing to advance ideas that he believes would help his community. I think it would be better if we all did that, if people with ideas would be willing to put them forward to Republicans and Democrats and work together for the interests of all Americans. According to CNN, a bomb dropped by Britain during World War II just exploded in a canal in Poland. That's right, the bomb was called the Tall Boy, weighed about 12,000 pounds when it was dropped by the Royal Air Force in the final months of World War II. The Polish Navy evacuated about 750 residents from the area as they attempted to defuse it, but the bomb exploded in the canal and it sent up a pretty substantial plume of water. No injuries, no damages, no risk that Britain and Poland will be having any hostilities anytime soon. Nationalfile.com has the story. Trump supporter hospitalized by Black Lives Matter thugs at Women's March. It tells the story of Isabella DeLuca assaulted while holding a Trump flag by an older white woman with glasses on and a glittery bedazzled Black Lives Matter shirt. That apparently the description of the assailant. Uh, Ms. DeLuca did not want to fight back against someone, according to her many years her senior, but then found herself uh, surrounded by a larger group that included uh, younger people that were there to do her harm. She was hospitalized, uh, currently suffers from from dizziness and blurry vision, uh, and we wish her the best following this ugliest and most violent of encounters with uh, people at a women's march. Apparently, if you're there holding a Trump flag, it is a different reception uh, than if you're there for some other purpose. Thanks for listening to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Give us a hand and throw a five-star rating on Apple iTunes if that's your podcast listening platform. And no matter where you're listening, make sure you subscribe so each and every day you can join us for more Hot Takes. Hot Takes.